On this week's Compete Everyday podcast, I talk with best-selling author and leadership speaker John Gordon on what makes the garden grow. What's up, Competitor Nation? Welcome back to the Compete Everyday podcast. My name's Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer and host each and every week on the show. How is your week going? How are you competing this week? Man, it is September. The year is flying by despite the challenges, despite the adversities that each and every one of us are facing. We're still moving along. We're still making progress. We're still inching toward that finish line for 2020. But you know what? We haven't gotten there yet. We are not close to stopping. We are not close to slowing down. So I hope you haven't just checked out for this year. I hope you're not just sitting around and waiting for January 1st, 2021. I hope you're not making the excuse that you need next year to start after your goal, that you have to wait until after the holidays to start putting in work for the things that you say are important. If you say they're important, then you have to act like they're important. You've got to live like they're important, which means you have to show up on the days you're not motivated. You have to show up before you wait for some arbitrary date to start doing the work. You have to show up today and do the work. You don't need a date on the calendar. You don't need permission from your parents or your best friend. You just have to show up and start doing the work. And so today, I hope you are taking action to show up and do the work. Believe that you have the ability to grow into the person capable of seizing that success and then put in the work today to start becoming them. Make the choices that that person would make. Take the action that that person would make. Listen, we all have those days. We all have those days we're not motivated. We all have those days we feel just insurmountable pressure on our shoulders that's going to break us. We all have those days that we just don't want to get out of bed. We all have those days we just don't want to do the work. The problem for most of us is when we have those days, we listen to our feelings in the moment, the feelings of convenience, of comfort that say, well, I'm not motivated. It's just a bad day. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be this. I don't want to do that. And we succumb to those feelings. And when we do that, we sacrifice our opportunity to get better. When we give in to our feelings in that moment, the feelings of comfort, the feelings of complacency, when we give in to those things, we sacrifice our opportunities to get better. And so ask yourself today, are you prepared to sacrifice your comfort zone, your excuses, your complacency so you can get better? Are you going to sacrifice your opportunity to get better for something that's convenient right now but screws you in the long run? I hope you're waking up, you're competing, you're rocking and rolling today. You are making the most out of this opportunity. And if I am not getting you fired up, then my man John Gordon will today. You probably have read some of John's books. He has, I think we said over 20 best-selling books at this point. The first one I read was his first release, The Energy Bus. I've heard you lead in the locker room, and his newest one, The Garden, takes a spiritual turn that a lot of his other books haven't. There's overtones of his spiritual journey and his faith walk, but the book, The Garden, really dives into it. And so today, whether you find yourself to be Christian, atheist, spiritual, non-spiritual, believer, non-believer, I want you to sit into John's conversation. Because he's very open about his faith and his walk with God and and how that's changed his life. And throughout that process, I was encouraged listening to his story. 
And I know that there's encouragement regardless of where you are in your life, what you believe in, maybe what you don't believe in. To sit back and listen to John's story. To hear some of the takeaways from his book and to give yourself a reason why you should pick up the book, The Garden. The small fable of this man and his two neighbors, two high school kids. The things that they're going through that so many of us have gone through. Maybe so many things that we're currently going through. And how this illustration of the garden greatly impacted their life. The things they thought, most importantly, the things they consumed, which impacted the way they saw the world, the way they acted, the way they thought. So sit back, relax. Actually, don't relax. Grab a piece of paper, grab a pen as well as you should each and every week because John brings some great things. But John Gordon is someone that I have been excited to have on the show because for me, the way he's built his business has been an inspiration to me. I've watched how he's developed, man. The guy writes a book every year. He's out on stages. He's helping people become better leaders. And when I started my journey pivoting our brand from just clothing to the podcast, to speaking, to writing, John was someone that I looked at and admired and said, man, I love the way he's done this. How can I do somewhat what he's done, but with my own spin on it? And so you being a listener on this show are getting to see some of the fruits of that, some of the inspiration John's had on me. And so it's a special opportunity for me to welcome to the Compete Everyday podcast today, John Gordon. John, welcome to the Compete Everyday podcast. Jay, great to be with you. Man, uh, as I shared off air, this is a conversation I'm quite looking forward to having been a fan of your work, uh, having heard your praises from friends before I even knew your work, and then obviously myself being a fan. You just released a brand new book, The Garden, uh, which I shared. I finished last night. It was a great read and, and very much falls in line with the other fables that you write. Uh, it sounded, maybe it's just me, but knowing a little bit of the energy bus coming from some of your own journey, was the garden really inspired by some of your own spiritual journey? Oh, definitely. It was part me, right? The characters were part me and then part teachers along the way. So Mr. Irwin, for instance, is based on Irwin McManus, who had a huge impact on my life. But Mr. Irwin is also a little bit of me in there. And then the kids, Jay and Kay, or a little bit of me as well in terms of, you know, finding faith on their journey, learning how to win the battle. And for me, I had to win the battle of my mind in order to create the life I wanted to create. And I was losing the battle for years. I lost for a long time. But when I finally won it, finding my faith, understanding where negativity was coming from, and then confronting that negativity, and then overcoming it with faith and hope and love and belief and optimism and feeding the positive every day, like the garden of your mind, that's when my life started to turn around. So I wanted to write this book to help people who were dealing with fear and stress and anxiety and give them a plan and a way forward. I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this. I know uh, if I, I believe I read correctly, a lot of your spiritual journey started around the age of 35. Yeah. Well, I mean, it started a little bit earlier than that. I would say it's actually been a, a long spiritual journey in terms of, you know, after college, I was pretty much a new ager, a seeker. My wife and I met when I was 24. We would go to these kind of spiritual keynotes and seminars and workshops and Deepak Chopra. And I was into the Dalai Lama and, and, and Buddhism and all that good stuff. 
And so I did a lot of meditation. So it was really into all of that. Grew up Jewish, always believed that God was looking out for me, that God was for me, that I had this connection with God. Somehow, some way, I felt that there was a God that knew about my life, was interested in my life, and that somehow, some way, was in control of my life. So I, I often felt that. So I was really spiritual in, in many ways, seeking and seeking. And then, you know, 31, 32, my life started to fall apart. Everything really just unraveled fear and stress and negativity. Lost my job. My wife almost left me. And that was a huge wake-up call for me. And that really caused me to start going deeper and really seeking answers. And then from there, a good friend of mine gave me some sermons from Erwin McManus and a few others. And I listened to these sermons. One was called Why I Followed Jesus. Really spoke to me. And then after that, I began this sort of um, search and quest to learn more. And the more I learned, the more I read, the more I understood, then the more it just became apparent to me that this is what I needed in my life for me. And it was a, a huge, huge thing. Changed my heart, changed my mind, changed my soul. So it started again around 31, 32 in a deeper way. And then around 35 is when I was baptized and finally said, okay, you know, I, God, I, I give you my life. I give you my life. And I believe when I said, I give you my life, God then gave me his life, his spirit in me. And that's when I had this deeper, more powerful connection to the creator of the universe. And that's from, from there is really when I found my purpose and passion and life's work and so forth. People are always searching for their purpose. And what they're really searching for is God. Because when you find God, you find your purpose. Because you were created for a purpose. You were created on purpose. And so there is a purpose for you. God has a purpose for your life. And once you have this relationship, then you start to understand this purpose. This purpose starts to be revealed to you. In The Seed, a book I wrote called The Seed, I said, you can't know your purpose without a relationship with the one who created you for a purpose. So I truly believe that's a part of the journey as well. Well, and I love that. And I love the fact, especially in the garden, one of the things you talked about were the distractions and the toys and the money. And, and a lot of times, people that aren't on a similar spiritual walk as you would assume that, well, once I made this decision and I find my purpose, that prosperity rains down on me at that point. And we tend to be distracted by those things. And, and what I love about the work you do, and especially how you preach, is there's still challenges. There's still hard days. There's still struggles. But if you know your purpose, you know who created you, you're able to walk through that storm with a different peace. Yes. So your faith in God doesn't make life easier. It makes you stronger. And I want people to know, when I talk about God, I'm not talking about a religion, right? Even though I'm a follower of Jesus, this is not about a religion. And Jesus wasn't about religion. He was about love and relationship. So God is a relationship. And in that relationship is where we find the greater source of peace and strength and love and conviction that really gives us the strength we need to overcome our challenges, gives us the peace that we need through times like this gives us the love that we need to make a greater difference in people's lives. And so for me, you have a greater source of strength and energy and power when you're tapped into that. And so it's like, there's this big power source and you have to tap into it and you can try to do it on your own, but you're only going to get so far. You're going to lose energy along the way. You got to plug in, you got to tap in. And I know some people, they meditate and they feel like they tap in that way. And some people do yoga and so forth. And they feel like they tap in that way and they're spiritual and they're, they tap in that way. And, 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 that, that's great. I tried all those things and I, I found, you know, comfort with those things. I found 
temporary solutions, but, but I never found you know, the ultimate power source, the ultimate strength that would actually sustain me for a long time. And so that's what changed. It was more of a, not like a, a I was treating the symptom, I was actually getting to the root of the problem and then healing the root, which then healed everything. Well, and I heard you speak a little bit about that with your recent conversation with Brian Buffini on his real estate show about some of the things we're seeing in the world right now being kind of the symptoms that we're seeing, the outward symptom instead of the root cause. And we have to learn to address the root cause. One of the things that I want to touch on that I'm curious from your perspective is the book is about the power of our choices and how we have the freedom. We've been given this freedom to make choices. And in the book, it's the garden of, or the tree of good and evil and knowledge and, and everything else. And what, what do we choose? And, and our success in life, a lot of times comes down to the choices that are 100% in our control every single day. When you started down this journey and, and became your, the follower of Christ and started writing these books, and I know the spiritual overtones have been in a lot of them, uh, maybe not as upfront as they have been in the garden, but knowing your work, knowing kind of my background and faith journey, you see it there. How has your decision-making process become almost, I would say maybe easier having known what your purpose is and what you do and who you are? Once you know what you stand for, every decision you make is easy. And so decisions are easy to make once you know your purpose, what you stand for, what's important, what matters most distractions are the enemy of greatness that we talked about earlier. So there's the money, there's the fame, there's the success. And those are all byproducts though. They're not the root, they're the byproducts, they're the fruit. And if you focus on the fruit and you ignore the root, the tree dies. But if you invest in the root and you make that your number one priority, then you're going to get great fruit. And so for me, it's about investing in the root. Let's look at the PPP money that's been, you know, been talked about a lot lately. That was a decision, a choice that, that I had to make. We initially were worried about what was going on. It was a tough time. I was losing 90% of my speaking and so forth and all my engagements. That's what I do for a living. I have a team of people and you, know, you have to pay people and hire people. So all of a sudden, everyone's talking about doom and gloom and it was very scary. And my wife and I you know, decided that we were going to apply for the PPP. So she filled out the application. And the next day, the next day, God literally spoke to me, not an audible voice, but like it came right through me just as the books do. And, and God said, you got to rely on me. You can't, you can't apply. And there was also talk that people needed, needed, um, you know, the money and that there were a lot of, there was like only like so many spots they were talking about all this thing. Yeah. And so I didn't want to take, I didn't take, want to take money that other people would need. And I also was relying on God saying, okay, you're telling me I don't need this. And then my principal said, my principal of who I am said, you know what? I'm not a big believer in, in, gover in taking government money. I don't believe in handouts. I don't believe in corporate handouts either. I'm not a big fan of, of those things as well at all that. I believe in individual responsibility and empowerment. That's just something I believe. And so I had to live according to that principle. God's tell Biden's telling me that, being obedient to that, and then not wanting to take money that might be someone else's. And so I said I was going to share this, by the way, in an article that I'm going to write about this. Um, haven't shared it yet. I shared it on Twitter about just a, a brief part of it, but didn't give the whole story. So here it is. And then basically told my wife, all right, we, we're not taking it. And she's like, all right, that's fine. Like, whatever you think. And so we kept on getting these signals and notifications. You know, you have to fill out the rest of the application. You have to do the second part. And we just did not respond. We didn't do it. Then finally, we got a notification. Hey, this is your last chance. Let us know if you're not doing it. We said, yeah, we're not doing it. And after that, 
it was incredible. Like after that, um, I've been talking about my publisher about doing another three book book deal. And they were really not giving me what I thought I deserved. And we were having this issue and I was willing to just walk away. And after all this happened, I was literally willing to go it alone, not take government money during the most fearful time. And they came back with an incredible offer that was just so full of abundance and faith and belief. And I just saw it play out just like that. Like I just saw, I saw God's principle play out and I didn't rely on the money. And you know, I still feel good about that decision, even if they gave a billion dollars to dead people, which I found out just recently, <laughs> yeah. you know, they said, you know, I still feel good about my decision because I was following principle, following God. And that's between me and him, me and myself of who I am. And yeah, you can, if you did take the money, that's fine. If you were meant to, and you needed it, I think that's wonderful if you needed it for you. But if God tells you not to, then you can't. But but if you needed it and, and to help survive and, and for your business, then I, I fully support that. I don't want people to think I'm against that. For me, it wasn't right. So that's what I'm saying. Once you know what you stand for, you know your principles, you follow God, then decisions are easy to make. So before I write a book, am I meant to write this book? Should I write this? Am I meant to focus on this right now, this issue? On Twitter, should I tweet about this? Well, I don't know. Like, you know, I think the whole issue with schools, I think you look at schools and you look at all the th things going on with the debate, should kids go back? You look at all the countries that have, have kids go back to school. You look at the healthcare workers and the essential workers that were working during this time and their kids were in daycare, there was no community spread from that. They have all the data on that. Even the New York Times said there was no data and spread on that. So you look at the data and you think, okay, they should go back to school, but I'm not going to tweet about that. I'm not going to get into that debate and argument because I know that my core purpose is not about that. I got to stick to my core purpose of encouraging, of uplifting, of leadership principles. And the more you get caught up in that debate, you'll, you'll lose your ability to, to make an impact. Unless I'm gonna go into politics, unless I'm in charge of policy, unless people would actually listen to what I say and that could determine the outcome, then I'm not gonna say anything. Like my wife says, hey, are, is, is your decision, is your tweet gonna impact anybody's, anybody, uh, anybody's decision as far as this policy? Like, no, then why would you say something? And it's right, like, what is your core purpose? People will listen to my advice. They'll listen to my encouragement. They'll listen to leadership principles, team building principles. You know what? And that's why I'm here. So know what you stand for. Know what you're here to do. And once you do, decisions then are, are very easy to make. Well, and I'll say if you ever do decide to run for office, I, I, happily you throw a vote your way in the, the current political climates. And I love that, that you put that uh, preface in terms of what do I post, what do I tweet, because you know social media is not always the best place for conversation either, especially of, of having dialogue and, and Twitter being proof of that. One of the things as we wrap up today, John, I'm curious about that stood out to me in, in reading your book, and I'm curious really from your own experience and perspective of this idea with the five Ds and, and the deceiver when he starts to get an inch. If you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And for a lot of us, when we get off course, when we get off track with one bad decision, one misstep, how do you personally make sure that one misstep here or misstep there doesn't become two and three and four and just keep snowballing like it tends to do for most of us? you're not defined by your bad decisions, right? We all make bad decisions and you should never be defined by ultimately what you do. We all make mistakes. We're all flawed people. And I think it's about forgiving yourself. It's about 
learning from your mistakes and growing from your mistakes. Even in this cancel culture that wants to cancel you, I'm glad that God doesn't cancel you or cancel me for, for my mistakes. So I think the key is to understand is we're all works in progress and we're all learning and growing and getting better. And so I think there's a forgiveness element there. There's a willingness to fail and being okay with failure. And there are times that I have done a tweet that I probably maybe shouldn't have done and it's recognizing and learning and growing from it. And that's just the way life works. I think it's about always recognizing that you're not going to be perfect. I wrote a book with my wife called Relationship Grit. comes out at the end of August. And I share all my imperfections in this book. It's our journey of, of, of our 23-year marriage and the mistakes I made and, and how she almost left me and what we learned along the way and how we grew and how I changed. And I had to change. And in my, in my changing, I became someone that can impact others. But I'm not afraid to talk about what I did and how I messed up. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. They don't feel comfortable doing that because they feel like they are either maybe an imposter if they do that. They feel like they are that person that made those mistakes or they beat themselves up with guilt and shame as a result of, of that. And so they have to protect themselves. But when you know that that's not who you are, then you are free to fail, let it go, learn and grow. And from there, you can become a better person. Now, this doesn't mean like, okay, you do whatever you want and you're forgiven, right? No, it means that when you have messed up, that you shouldn't be defined by that. And you shouldn't be defined by your successes either, right? You should be defined by the fact that you're a child of God. And so the enemy, the deceiver, and by the way, there is an enemy. If people don't believe it, just look around and look at the evil in the world. Where does evil come from? No one can explain to me where evil comes from ultimately if they think it's just a person. Oh, that person's evil. Oh, really? Well, how is there this collective energy that people are able to to learn and know and do things that they shouldn't know and do that they haven't connected with someone else on. Where do the evil thoughts come from? Your negative thoughts come from you? No, who would ever choose to have a negative thought, right? right. Thoughts are always coming in. So their thoughts are spiritual. No one's ever found a thought inside of a brain. People are like, wait, how does that work? Well, you're sleeping and you're dreaming or having a nightmare. Did you choose that nightmare? Did you choose that dream? No, it just came in, right? Wow. So there's something more going on here. People you need to understand is we're not just, uh, physical beings, we're spiritual beings, having a physical experience. Just do the research and we are made of energy. E equals MC squared. So basically what Einstein taught us is that we are fully 100% energy in our body. Everything is energy. So you are energy having a physical experience, just slow down enough to actually experience this physical world. And so understanding that and then the forces of good and evil and the narrative of the universe, think about that, right? Harry Potter, what is that about? Good versus evil. Superman, good versus evil. Black Panther, good versus evil. Wonder Woman, good versus evil. Why do those stories resonate so much with us? Because that's the battle that we experience in our soul every day. And so once you understand this paradigm, you understand how this works, and that's the narrative of our existence is good and evil, then you can say, okay, well, how can I win the battle versus the evil that exists? The doubt, the discouragement, the distortion and lies, the distractions and the division we talk about in the garden, and how do we overcome that? And that's the plan we share in the book and how to overcome. But can't do it alone. Going back to our beginning, you do it with God. You do it with an understanding that on your own, you're going to be fearful. But with God, you're faithful. And with God, you are stronger to take on the battles, to win the battle. And God gives us a plan to win the battle. And that's why I had to write the garden, how to share the plan, because he gives us a plan. And once you know that there is a battle and you have a plan, well, guess what? Now you can win it. And that's what I want to do. I want to help people win the battle. That's why I wrote the book. And it wasn't 
challenge for me to write it because it, it, it did take me to another level in terms of being open about my faith. In other books, you said there was an yep. undertone. Yes, this is, this is like straight up. And I need yep. to let people know this is not like my other fables. This is different. But I felt called to write it, especially during this time. And it's amazing how many people are, are receiving it in a positive way. So I, I'm glad. I, I'm sure not everyone's going to, but, but a good friend of mine who's not a believer in Jesus, but he's a Jewish guy, and he had me on his TV show the other day on, on like a, a major TV show. And, and it was just a great conversation about faith and God and said it spoke to him. And, and, and that's the power of this, is that it spoke to him. And that's what I want to do. I want to speak to everyone. I don't want to judge anyone for what they believe. But I just want to speak to your heart, to your soul, and hopefully impact you in a positive way. I love it. I love it. Well, as an encourager, John, you're constantly planting seeds of courage in people that sometimes you get to see that seed grow. And sometimes it's years after you've ever had contact with them that it starts to grow and sprout. So I just want to encourage you to keep doing your great work. John, best place to find you and interact with you uh, on social media. What's your favorite platform and your handle on there? Well, johngordon.com is my website, J-O-N-Gordon.com. Twitter and Instagram, it's the same, at J-O-N Gordon 11. So at J-O-N Gordon 11, Twitter, Instagram. I'd say both of those are, are my favorite. And then your, you've got obviously the gardens out now, the book with your wife. Is that number 23 on the list? That will be, 20, that'll be 22, I believe, coming out at the end of, end of uh, August. It's already written, so I could say I've written 22 books, but it comes out at the end of August. It was actually supposed to come out at this time, but we knew with everything going on, it wouldn't be the great, the best time for it. The garden was meant to come now. So we rushed that and brought that out in advance to helpfully reach people who are dealing with the fear and the stress and anxiety right now. But, but we hope that my book with my wife will save a lot of marriages too. And we've already had several people read it and it's actually already saved a few marriages of friends who have, who have read it. So that's the exciting thing about it. The grit, to stick together and stay together through the challenges and the ups and downs of a relationship. I love it. I love it. Well, and, and science continues to back the importance of, of parents together, sticking together in those households, working through those challenges uh, for the long-term uh, success of the children as well. So John, congratulations on another book. Thank you incredibly for joining the Compete Everyday podcast this week. Hey, thanks, Jake. Keep up the great work. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. To join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life, be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.